This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hello, and welcome to Flourish with me, Tiffany Boyd. This is a podcast where we explore what it means to live with intention. I'm a mom to three beautiful boys, a wife, a friend, an entrepreneur, and so many other things. When my dad passed, I made a commitment to myself to live with intention. For years afterwards, I struggled with discovering what that meant. I felt uncomfortable giving myself permission or even figuring out how to honor that. What I do know and believe is that where attention goes, energy flows. This show will explore what it means to live with intention, seek to inspire you, and bring practical tools through stories and interviews that you can use to change your own life. Thank you for joining me and this wonderful community of women as we raise our vibration, honor ourselves, and live intentionally. Welcome back to the Flourish Podcast, a show where we discuss what it means to live with intention. And this week, I'm going a little bit off script and I'm going a little bit far afield and I'm getting a little bit vulnerable. You're probably thinking like, how much more vulnerable can you get? Um, And I want to talk about a topic that I think is incredibly profound and important and that everybody at some level can relate to. And that topic is trauma. And I want to talk about it in the context of the manifestation journey and from the context of healing past trauma. Now, before I dive into this topic, I do want to say that I am not a licensed therapist. I am not a practitioner in any way, shape, or form. And in my mentorship practice, in my coaching practice, in my programs, one of the things that I believe strongly is that everybody maintain their own boundaries and self-sovereignty as they relate to their thoughts, feelings, intuitions, and that if something that I say or anybody else says doesn't resonate, does not feel right, then please know it is yours to dismiss or yours to receive and that that is your choice. And because I know the topic of trauma in and of itself can be triggering for some people. I wanted to be honest that that is what I am discussing today. And I'm going to share some reflections and a story. And then I want to talk about what I have personally done to heal past trauma, current micro traumas, and how I approach the topic. And like anything in life, as we grow and evolve and learn more, you know better, you do better. And so I'm sure this topic and my understanding and my practice will continue to evolve, but it's come up a lot. We are right now, as I'm recording this podcast, in the third of four weeks in a manifestation program that I'm currently running. 
And in the second and third week of the program, we really dive into patterns, patterns of behavior and thinking and believing. And we explore the concept of thought and feelings and belief and how those things create and reinforce our reality. And that one of the best ways to start to understand how your subconscious programming is manifesting in your current reality is to look for patterns. A typical pattern that you often hear referenced is that of always attracting the same partner. And why do you continue to do that? What's happening at your, at an energetic level that that's where you're resonating in terms of that's what you're bringing into your field. What haven't you healed? Why are you stuck here or patterns of thought, the way that limiting beliefs creep up and shape your perception of what is or isn't possible, what you are capable or not capable of. And a lot of the work after you become really clear about what you want to desire in manifestation is creating new ways of thinking, feeling, and being so that you start to resonate at a different vibrational frequency, a higher vibrational frequency. And the way that you do that, of course, is breaking and interrupting old patterns. Now, these patterns are blocks that are holding us back. They're related to fear and the ego, the ego that truly just desires to keep us safe. The ego that knows that you're still alive because of the programming that's currently running in your subconscious. Therefore, the safest thing is to continue running that same programming because its sole interest is to keep you alive and safe, even if it's not doing as well as it can. And so you get stuck in this stage until you start to examine these wounds and this conditioning and trauma is something that a lot of us live with and it creeps up even when we don't know that it's creeping up. Sometimes we've shut a lid on it so tight that we're, we've created fear around exposing it. And I've had significant trauma in my childhood and I've had, you know, typical other sorts of, you know, things that you wouldn't even typically describe as trauma, but because of where I placed my attention on the trauma, on the experience, I created a traumatic experience with respect to the patterning and conditioning that I created and how I chose to relate to the experience. So I'll give you a really simple example. My first child was born on Christmas Day in 2013. And I remember earlier that December saying to my husband as I was, you know, nine plus months pregnant and so excited to welcome this baby that all I wanted for Christmas that year was a baby. And sure enough, as, as you put things out into the universe, the universe responds and says, for Christmas, she wants a baby. Okay. And so Christmas day, our sweet little Hudson arrived. And I actually, you know, there's so much thought and energy as you're pregnant, particularly with your first baby that goes into labor and delivery. 
but there isn't a lot of attention to what comes after. And so we went to all of the prenatal classes and we learned what to expect and how to time contractions to know if they're real or Braxton Hicks and at what point you go to the hospital and techniques for getting through labor and the various pain options that were available. And we were ready for that. And then our sweet baby comes into the world on Christmas Day. And even as I was in labor, I thought, I'm going to have this baby and then we can still make Christmas dinner. I thought, how great, we're going to bring this new baby to supper. You know, that's how unrealistic I was around what was going to happen. But I was just on this high and excitement and love. And that carried through, don't get me wrong. We didn't make dinner, although um, I really did think that we might make it to dinner. Uh, because he was born early Christmas morning at four in the morning. And we brought this baby home a day later and it was really, really dark. We live in the Northern Hemisphere and there are about six hours of light throughout the day at this time of year. It's the shortest time of, shortest daylight hours uh, within the year. We're just around winter solstice. And on top of that, It was snowing day after day, so it was socked in and gray, and I hadn't really slept because I couldn't take my eyes off this this baby. I labored throughout the night and into the morning, and then I just was so high on adrenaline and love and just even sort of anxiety around this new baby and this new being and this new way of being, and I, I just... I couldn't even close my eyes for a second because I was worried I might miss something or I needed to do something and I was so excited and probably all I really needed to do was sleep, but I couldn't and maybe I got a couple or a few hours here and there pieced together at the hospital and they were very, very busy and we were doing well and so we went home uh, that day, Christmas day, with the baby and we were home that evening and here we are with this new little baby and it's like your whole world changes and the center of your universe shifts and everything you knew, although it's the same, feels different because now there's this beautiful baby that you're responsible for and things like making Christmas dinner aren't really reasonable or practical in the slightest. And so that first night home, again, I just really couldn't sleep because I wanted to make sure, you know, that he was dressed warmly enough, but not too hot and that his diaper wasn't too wet and that he was breathing okay. And then we got, I think, about 50 visitors within the next four days, which was lovely, but thoroughly overwhelming when you're trying to master creating a connection with this new being and learning how to breastfeed and figuring out diaper changes and checking on the umbilical cord and you're still, you know, physically in pain and recovering and bleeding and just all of the things. And that stopped and I still wasn't sleeping most nights because I had to keep checking on this baby. And my husband went back to work after about five days and the current job that he was on was a seven day a week, 12 hour a day. And here I was alone with this little baby and we live out of town in the darkest time of year. And after about the first week or so, it became fairly apparent that he was incredibly colicky. 
And I had no context in terms of how much a baby cries or doesn't cry. So it just seemed like that was normal that a baby would cry most of the day. And certainly you could never put him down if he was awake. So I spent all of my day holding a baby, which is not a horrible thing in the slightest, but often a baby that was crying and crying in so much pain. The visceral reaction that you have when you're responsible for a new baby and they're hurting and you don't know what to do is almost one of the most unbearable forms of pain I have ever experienced. And on the spectrum of colic, I would say he was fairly high. He spent more time crying than not. And I was alone, so there was no trade-off. And I remember my beautiful girl, my puppy, my, my puppy, she was six years old, Maya, she got so gray that year, just pacing back and forth as the baby cried because she could feel my energy and she was worried. And Maya and Hudson and I paced back and forth, back and forth, and rocked back and forth, back and forth, and paced back and forth, back and forth. And I remember going to the grocery store for the first time and he screamed the whole drive there. And, you know, just being so anxious about can we get through the store and how will I manage to consider to continue to think about what sort of groceries I need to put into the cart. Well, I've got this screaming baby and everyone's going to look at me. And how do I also support him in the way that he needs to be supported and hold him? And it was just, you know, so I got to the point where if I was going to the grocery store, I would take this mental prep before I'd go so I could be strong enough to endure it because more than likely he was going to be screaming. And people would constantly offer to help. And I just wanted to get through it and get out and just be in a safe space where I could at least manage my own discomfort with the situation and put that aside and not have to feel like somebody needs to worry about me while I'm just worried about him. I remember him screaming in the car nearly everywhere we drove and singing songs, (laughs) trying to help, just trying to do anything to keep myself sane because it hurt so bad hearing him cry the way he would cry. And it turned out he had a bit of a tongue tie and some gastric reflux and he ended up with an infected umbilical cord. He just honestly, everything that could go wrong would go wrong. And so I was starting to create this reinforced belief around his well-being that he's probably not okay. And even when he was totally okay, I was so anxious about the potential of him not being okay, that I couldn't enjoy those moments because I was checking, because I was just waiting for the not okay to come. And that being said, there is still so much joy and love. And what I want to share about that is that what I was creating was a reinforced traumatic reaction and patterning in terms of my response to him, what it meant to be a mother, And it perpetuated to the point where I just struggled to sleep because I was so anxious and I would check his breathing and multiple times I thought for sure he's not breathing properly and I would video him and and even ended up one night at the ER because I was sure that his breathing wasn't regular and I'd taken a video and I'm showing the nurses. And if you're a nurse, you've probably seen a mother or two like me or maybe not, but just so worried and I remember sitting with him and thinking like trying to be rational because it hurt so much to have him cry the way that he cried and thinking like 
he will eventually stop crying. There's going to be a time where he gets older where he stops crying because you literally do not believe that your baby will ever stop crying when they've been colicky. And so I thought, like, I've never met a teenager that just cries all day. So surely he's going to stop at some point, even if it's like when he's 13. There's going to be a time in his life where he's not crying. And I remember repeating the mantra, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And what Hudson taught me is that in our experience as human beings and in the way that we learn, which is through contrast, as I've shared in the past, as a child learns to walk, they need to fall down and understand what it means to be unstable so they understand how they need to correct their gait to become more stable so they can walk. And energy is on a spectrum. And so the more he cracked me open and created more anxiety and fear, the greater the potential I had to love was because that spectrum continues to grow in each direction. And you know, the colder something gets, the same is true as the hotter it can get on the other side. And so the more despair and anxiety I felt, it was only because my capacity to love him was growing. The problem in the patterning is where I was focusing my attention. Because thoughts and feelings aren't real. Thoughts and feelings are not real. Thoughts and feelings become our beliefs, which become our actions, and then our actions reinforce our thoughts, our feelings, and our beliefs. And so where you place your attention, where you place your energy, reflects your experience of that reality. And let me share an example of how that looks different. I could walk into an experience where somebody else's baby was screaming like that and I could be totally okay and I could rationally know that this baby is going to be okay and I could be okay when that baby wasn't crying because I could just enjoy that moment because that was my version of that reality with that baby and granted I'm giving a scenario that is different than when it's your own baby so I understand that I'm not sharing an exact example But what I wanted to share is that that was my version of that reality. And so is true of how I perceive my own reality. And as Hudson continued to crack me open and create more capacity for love, so too was true of my capacity for pain. However, as I had my second baby, and I feel like the universe works in divine order, he could not be the furthest thing from colicky. And in fact, I continue to call him my joy boy because I recall a single time where he cried for you know more than just a, I need to be picked up or I'm a little upset, sort of the normal spectrum where he had an episode of you know an evening fussy period, that witching hour. It was for less than an hour and I remember it very, very well because it was the only time And I feel like Hudson cracked me open and then my second child, Carver, came in 
and allowed me to fill that space with joy and learn to change my perspective around where my focus was and recognize how much space I created for love and joy and how I could choose to change where I was placing my attention, to change my perception, to experience all of it differently, Hudson differently. And it was in living that where I really started to understand that quote by Wayne Dyer, change how you look at things and the world around you changes. Change how you perceive things and what you see will change. I'm not, I'm misquoting him, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. And trauma serves a tremendous purpose in terms of creating more capacity for everything on the positive side of things. And it's not that I'm trying to say that the goal is to attract trauma or it's great that it happened or any of those things, but I wanted to offer a different perspective and lens through which to look at it. I also want to reinforce that trauma ultimately, after it has happened, becomes a patterning of thinking that becomes encoded in your subconscious that you continue to enact. And you possess the power within you to choose where you're going to focus, what you're going to think, how you're going to feel and relate to those thoughts, what reinforcing beliefs that you are continuing to build. And simply by starting to connect with that patterning, you can start to recondition a new way of being. And sometimes we want to give ample respect and ample measure to things according to how big or significant we feel they are, but know that this is just another way that you may be thinking in a way that doesn't serve you because you've created a belief around that. So if you've had a huge and significant trauma, it is going to take a huge and significant effort and amount of time to overcome it. But I just want you to ask yourself, are you thinking that? And is it true? Or can you shift your focus today and change that? What will it take for you to start to believe and feel things differently? And the biggest message that I'm hoping that people take from me sharing a bit of this experience and this way of thinking and relating to trauma is that you are incredibly powerful and it is through your own self-sovereignty through your own choice through your own intentionality through your own thoughts feelings and beliefs and where you choose to place your attention that you decide how that trauma impacts you and if you choose to take the the path of expressing and experiencing the duality that is the contrast to the experience of the trauma that may have been negative, to describe it broadly, and experience the flip side, which is the tremendous capacity to love or experience joy, because you can only feel that bad because you're taking away what is an equal measure, the other emotion on the other end of the spectrum. And one of the techniques that I shared today um, 
that I got from a teacher, Michael McKenna, that I want to share with you because sometimes we can get so in our head about these things and sometimes we just need to come back to the somatic experience that our body and the wisdom that is within the body and connect with the energy around us and just move our head out of the way is start to decide what it is that you're trying to manifest that is a different version of you a different reality, a different way of being, a way of you being in this reality that no longer is functioning from a patterning that is experiencing the trauma. And so the first thing that I want to suggest that you do once you're clear about what that is, who that version of you is, what that thing is that you want to manifest into your way and new way of being, is I want you to connect with the energy field around you. And there's energy everywhere, and there's an energetic field around every person. Some people refer to it as as their aura. And as soon as you start to believe or think about something positive, positive or negative, it exists in the field. You have brought it in. And once you bring it in to your physical being and assimilate it with your own energy so that you're resonating at the same vibrational frequency, it will come to be. But as soon as you are brave enough to think or believe it, whether subconsciously or consciously, it's in the field. And so there's a fear of the trauma experience. There's a fear related to the block of that contrasted version of you that you want to become and so put your arm out it doesn't matter what arm you can't do this wrong don't overthink it just put your arm out into the field until you feel the fear it's going to feel a little bit different than the rest of the air you might feel all of a sudden that there's a little bit of pressure a little bit of tension as you move your hand through the air and through the field it might feel a little bit spongy It might feel a little bit heavy and it's subtle. And as you do this over and over again, you are going to start to become more subtly aware in your awareness. And know that if you think maybe you found it, you found it, it's there. You can't do this wrong. And as soon as you find it, what I want you to do, because when fear is in the physical form in the field and you found it, it's very vulnerable. It has no strength because you haven't attached attention, focus, meaning, feelings, thoughts, belief to it and brought it into your being. It's just something out in the field. So I want you to clap it away. Literally, (laughs) clap your hands because it doesn't gain power until you give it power. And so dispel it before it becomes part of who you are. Dispel the fear. Let it go. Break it up. Clear the energy. 10 to 20 seconds. Now let's repeat the exercise. Same idea. Arm out into the field, but this time you're going to find the thing that you're trying to attract. The way of being that you want to be. The version of you that you want to be. And you can do the same exercise for anything you're trying to manifest, whether it's a new version of you that is experiencing a new reality that isn't that with the trauma or if it's an actual thing or a feeling that you're trying to attract. Put your hand out into the energy field until you find it. And again, it's going to feel 
different, subtly different. And you'll know what you, once you've got it, you may even feel energy come down your arm as you're holding it. It might feel heavy. I want you to breathe in nose, nasal breaths. In and out, stabilizing your nervous system, resetting your nervous system so that you know that you're safe. And once you've got it, I want you to look at it. I want you to see it. And you might not, and that's okay. A lot of people won't. A lot of people are going to get caught in their heads throughout this entire thing, but just continue to push your active monkey brain away and feel into it. Feel into the seeing. Feel into the knowing. Because when you see something, anything, there's a corresponding reaction in the brain, a cascade of patterning reactions, neural networks and firing of those networks that reinforces the reality of the thing that you're seeing. So see your manifestation, see it, see it into believing. And then as you continue your deep nasal breathing, I want you to call it in and bring it in physically closer and breathe it in through the chakras, starting at the top of the head, all the way down to your root chakra. And if it sits there and it feels right and it settles, it is in you. You will not be able to deny attracting that thing. If it doesn't settle and something comes up, a little bit of niggling fear, breathe into it. See if you can release it. If you can't release it, breathe in again and see if you can release it. Repeat the exercise. And if it still continues not to work, then ask yourself, am I trying to attract the highest and best thing for me? Is there a reason that I'm not attracting it? Perhaps you're using instrumental thinking, which is just a thing. It's just a fancy way of saying that whatever it is that you truly want feels so big that you've already broken down what you want into smaller steps and ways that you think that you're going to get it. Like if you want to manifest, I don't know, a successful business and you think that's attached to social media reach and you're trying then to attract more followers and so that's what you're focusing on, the reality is you want a successful business. Attracting followers may or may not translate, but you are using instrumental thinking to try to make it smaller and more palatable and you're getting caught in the how when really you just need to be connected to what it is that you truly want. And in that example, you know, you would continue to break that down. Is it really a successful business? Maybe I want financial freedom. Maybe I want just to feel love and secure and safety. And so do the exercise of why is it important to me? Okay, now what, what is it that I really need because of why it's important to me? Breathe in. And continue to break it down until you get to the true thing that you really need and need to manifest in terms of achieving your highest and greatest potential. And just let your head get out of the way. Let your head move out of the way and feel it. And as you do this work, as you do the work to unblock yourself, as you do the work to uncover these traumas and how they're coming up and all these little patterns in your life that you didn't even realize because they were subconscious ways of thinking and being and you're seeing the patterns and you're breaking them, you're going to start to feel it move through your body. 
It's going to start to come up. It's going to come up in the forms of tests. Are you serious? Like the universe is not going to check out your order at the checkout if you're not really willing to pay. It's just another way of saying they're not going to deliver it if you're not going to exchange the energetic currency that is you are truly stepping into this new higher state of being, this new vibrational frequency. So they're testing you. Are you serious? Are you really going to pay at the checkout? Because I'm not going to make the the latte if you're not serious. And so they're testing. So those are going to come up for you. And that's just a natural part of the process. The other part of the process, just coming back to this whole concept of energy and frequency and spectrum is that before you propel forward, and I've used this metaphor a lot in the past, it's like you need to go all the way back to the other end of the energetic frequency and vibrational spectrum so that, that you can propel forward as much in proportion so that you can attract what you want. It's like a, it's like pulling a bow and, arrow, bow and arrow back, not a bull. That's what my three-year-old calls it, bull and arrow. A bow and arrow back. And so you feel like you're just going into the mud, into the gunk. And it's like, this is not my manifestation journey. I'm supposed to attract the good stuff. And you're just wading through the deep, dark stuff. And different teachers use different language to to describe this. And spiritual teachers refer to it differently as well. It's often referred to as the dark night of the soul. The dawn is always darkest before... It's always darkest before the dawn, uh, the shadow period, or the uh, rock bottom. But know that this is you doing the work. If you're continuing to show up, if you're continuing to recognize the patterns, if you're continuing to believe that healing can be instant, healing can be easy, you can be a new version of you, then you are doing the work on the energetic level. You're doing the work on the neurophysical level. You're doing the work between your thoughts, your feelings, and your beliefs, and you're doing activities in your physical reality to raise your vibration, all of those things translate to create a new version of you in such a way that you cannot deny attracting that which you are working to attract. And so you're pulling that bull, bull, (laughs) that bow and arrow, the arrow back, and all of a sudden you're going to release and it is just going to shoot forward like a magnet attracted, you are going to become an absolute magnet for what you desire. So all of this to say that for whatever reason, this concept of trauma has been on my mind. It's been coming up in the classes that we're teaching. It's been coming up in conversations with friends. And this was not the episode I had planned for today, but alas, I feel like it's what I needed to share and I truly hope that there's some piece of it that you can relate to. Again, I want to reiterate that I have tremendous respect for your own self for your own personal self-sovereignty and that if any piece of this doesn't resonate, then please dismiss it. Take what does, leave what doesn't. I would love it if you had a moment to take um, take a few moments from your day and leave a rating and a review for the podcast. 
I don't think people realize how much this helps podcasts grow, to become visible, and for other people to find them. So if you're enjoying this, please tell a friend or just take even 30 seconds to write a quick review and leave a rating. It means so much. So thank you for for doing that in advance. And I am soon going to be coming out with a new fresh list of spring offerings and There's going to be a combination of one-on-one opportunities that I'll be registering soon and group sessions. If you would like to be one of the first to know, please send me a note at flourishinglately at gmail.com or reach out through Instagram, Tiffany underscore Boyd underscore. Just send me a DM. I'm just pulling the final details together, but I'm really, really excited about what we've got coming in the spring. So as always, I want to thank you, one of your most valuable commodities, your time and spending it here with me. As always, I hope that you're flourishing lately. Have a great day. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine